Again, Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. May God be add His blessing to the reading of the Word of God. And you may be seated. I like what Jonathan said because um, it's true. I'm a statistic. Well, we're all a statistic, but I'm a specific one. I'm one of those who's never kept the New Year's resolution. But I've made them. And I've had great intent. But I've never kept one. The latest I think I ever kept one was the first week of February. I think Groundhog Day. I said, this is repetitive like Groundhog Day. Uh, Just seeing my shadow and no more resolution. Six weeks of (laughs) of winter or no resolution. But the reason I say that is because to me, when I'm thinking about things I want to do in the new year or change in life, I think they're good ideas. You know, good intent, right? All that stuff. Uh, or a good practice I could implement. I've been working all year to, to figure out how to implement my practice for 2023. And now the year's almost over. That's how uh, I don't do well at those things. And maybe resolutions or deciding to change or wanting a good idea is important and good in that way. But just because something is a good idea or good to do doesn't mean you're going to do it. Isn't that true? You may have, you know, that's a good idea. And that's all the further it gets. I'm kind of like that in a lot of ways. And I'll tell you why. Ideas are not energy. They are thoughts that are waiting for action. There has to be something else in place to move it from idea to implementation. Another dynamic at work for us to have what I call stick with itness, it's kind of a person who keeps doing it regardless because you decided this is what you're going to do. Um, and I think there has to be something to compel us to move, that it has to be present within us, or we're just going to say, you know, yeah, I would really like to have this in my life, whether it's financial, relational, uh, family goals, or work goals, or career goals, or whatever it might be, retirement plans, things like that. Whatever those things are, there's something else that has to be present besides it's a good idea to do that. But what? What else has to be there for it to move to action? What is missing from intent besides action, in other words? What part of that equation do we miss? What fits in there? You know, like intent is here and doing the action over here and getting it done. What's in the middle? What causes us to do rather than just to consider? I believe at least part of the answer lies 
within preparation? Part of the answer is there, and I'll explain, first of all, by pointing your attention to John the Baptizer. A lot of people call him John the Baptist, but he's actually John the Baptizer. He's, a, he's actually a Methodist, not a Baptist. Well, I don't know if he's a Methodist or not. But I used to be called John the Methodist uh, when I was in seminary. But he came preparing, making preparation for Jesus. He was baptizing in the wilderness. And he quotes the prophet Isaiah as the authority for what he's doing. For his words and his actions. Isaiah says it, John acts on it. He then calls for repentance as the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, believe in the gospel for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's his message. Do you make the connection as to why repentance is needed when the kingdom of God is at hand? Is that a part of intent? Making preparation. What has repentance got to do with the kingdom of God being ready and available? The fact of the matter is if you have a theology of repentance or an idea of repentance that you need to present before you enter the kingdom of God, you have to have confession of sin as a part of that. It's the same way when someone's seeking salvation or seeking a relationship with Christ. You can't just repent. You have to confess your sin. But we don't teach this repentance very often or confession or carry on that practice. And for some reason, I'm not sure why. Because it's healthy. It's very good. And it's a strong practice in our faith to continue to confess. But when we talk about prayers of confession or someone coming to be baptized, they just acknowledge their sinfulness. I confess I'm a sinner. That doesn't really do much. We all are willing to acknowledge that we're not perfect. And so, yep, I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. And it's easy. But talk about specific sins. <laughs> That's a little bit of work. Because repentance says, I'm going to turn from this sin that I'm telling you about. When I think about confession and repentance, it's part of the preparation for welcoming God. We ask someone to acknowledge sinfulness without confessing their sin, and it doesn't work. Could this be what's wrong with our churches and society today? That we're taking an easy stance on sin? Letting it kind of slide by by just saying, I'm, I'm a miserable sinner, or I've sinned. The kingdom of God is always at hand. It's always present and ready. It's always pressing in. And confession and confessing is the first step toward entering into it. We have to come humbly though and seeking God's mercy, right? Because if we come and say, God, you know, your word says, if I come and pray, you have to forgive me. So you need to forgive me for my sin so I can be a part of your kingdom. And there, that settles it. Your word says it. That's not humble, is it? That's not coming before God and saying, God, I sin and this is what it is and, and, and I need your help. I want to turn from this and I repent of it and help me turn towards you and away from this. Help me do a 180 away. 
Why is that so important? John the Baptist, when he quotes Isaiah, says, A voice of one in the wilderness makes straight the ways of the Lord. John the Baptist was in in a literal wilderness. He was not in a city. He was out in the countryside near the Essene community. He lived on locusts and wild honey. He made his clothes. He lived off the land. He's in the wilderness. And so a voice crying in the actual wilderness was talking to a society of Judaistic thinkers in a spiritual wilderness without clear purpose or direction, but to try and follow some man-made laws about how to obey God. And they blamed God because they couldn't do it. Now you say, well, what do you mean? When a voice cries out in the wilderness, it recognizes the need and the wilderness. Our world, in my understanding, I think you can agree with me, is becoming more and more ungodly in its behavior. Drifting further and further away from the standards of Jesus Christ and salvation. Would you agree? So our world is becoming a spiritual wilderness. And those who understand who Jesus is and have received and have that relationship can see it gradually deteriorating and it seems quicker than it used to in its deterioration. And we're, we're, we're going, but we need somebody, somebody to step up and give us a voice of reason and sanity in our world. Someone who makes sense. Not these people who say, do this, do that, and they make no sense or purpose but to pad their own pocket or, or to lead people to be confused. I don't, I don't know about you, but I like when someone gives me a clear, direct voice telling me the truth and tell me that hope is in God still and always will be. I need to hear that and I believe we all do. We need another voice of reason like John the Baptist today. Someone who will speak the truth and point out hope and a vision for what to do. A clear path. Someone who will point the way to the way that has never been compromised, which is the way of Christ. Which is God's way. It doesn't have to be pointed out that this is the only way that works. It is the only way there is, and it's God's way. And we have to prepare for that. We need someone to call us to action like John was doing. But but how do we prepare? He says, prepare the way of the Lord. Make His paths straight. Well, how do we do that? Uh, and what, what direction is He coming from anyway? Is He coming down Ogden Landing from the west? Or is He coming down from the east? And if I prepare from the west, what if He comes down Metropolis Lake? You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss Him. Is this what this Scripture means? And, uh, you know, what's He going to drive? Or is he going to just be on a chariot? And do I need to make it for a chariot? Or do I need to make it for a car? What, what's God coming? We get silly with this, trying to make God's path straight, and we take it outside to our physical experience rather than the spiritual one that Isaiah and John the Baptist were talking about. We don't know his paths, so how are we going to make them straight? And do you think maybe his paths are inroads into us? 
The fact is we will not prepare for what we do not expect or anticipate will occur. Let me say that again because it's, it, it sounds too good to be true. We will not prepare for what we do not expect or anticipate will occur. If you don't think something's going to happen, you're not going to work for it. Because you don't have hope in it. The Bible says where there's no vision, the people will perish. And it's because there's a lack of action, because there's nothing to look toward. No goal. No end. No vision. No dream. No 5K at the end of the year or, or whatever it is. Financial stability. Out of debt. Whatever your goal is, you have to have a plan. And you have to prepare for that plan. If you don't believe it's possible, you won't act. If you don't anticipate that these things are real and can happen in our world, you won't do them. Well, you know, nobody wants to hear about God. And so you don't talk about Him because you believe nobody wants to hear it. The fact of the matter is, anybody who knows who God is and how wonderful He really is, desperately need it. They just don't know it. Until an idea moves from your head knowledge to your soul conviction... It accomplishes nothing. It has to make that move to your soul conviction that this is true. Your energy is required to make something move or change. Holy Spirit energy is required as well. And that energy is fueled by your soul's desire to do something about it. Ideas, no matter how good they are, are not energy. I said that at the beginning. It's true. Your ideas won't get stuff done. They just remain as a thought. Commitment is helpful. But if you don't work to make the path straight and the way easier and smoother by removing the obstacles, there's no way you're going to act. This is the preparation. Your first step to action then is to clearly understand what you're trying to get done or what God's trying to do through you. And they have to be true for you. As Jonathan said, they have to line up with who you are. For your reasons. Not because somebody else said it's a good idea or that you should do it, but because you own it as your own idea and dream and hope and vision for what you want to get done. And you have to write it down in your own words. I can't write down a goal for you and say, here, you do this. Because you'll go, "Uh, I'm not doing that. It has to be something you want and something you believe in and think is possible. And something that's going to require you to do a little bit of work ahead of time and doing it. Otherwise, it's not worth doing. And here's the truth. You can't get what you don't ask for. The book of James says you have not because you ask not. And then when you do ask, you ask amiss to spend it on your guilty pleasures rather than building up the kingdom or the world around you. And when we ask, we ask passively. And you can't do that and expect God to act. Just as we cannot act passively on resolutions or any other change we're trying to make, you can't be passive. And what do I mean by that? Well, you know, 
I was going to do this, but, you know, somebody said it was a bad idea and it ruined my day, so I decided, you know, since they messed up my day, I'm not going to do it. That's passive. Allowing something else to control what you choose to change. I was at a training and we were asked for prayer requests. We joined in a circle holding hands and people mentioned prayer requests. And then we, the prayer request was accompanied by a prayer for that request from the person requesting it. And we circled around and we all did our thing. And then someone asked me to close it out in prayer. And I'd listened to all the prayers and all the requests and they were all passive. Do you know what I mean by passive? It's when someone has a sickness and you pray like this, Lord, if it's Your will, You could heal them, you know. Lord, if You really want to do this, You could do it. Lord, uh, if You really want us to change the world, you could, you could make that happen. Lord, if You wanted world peace, you know, if it's Your will, we would, we would love for You to have world peace around us and better communities, Lord, if it's Your will. You know, th- those passive prayers like that. And I was listening and... And, and, and this voice of John the Baptist, this verse sprung in my head, a voice crying in the wilderness, get ready for the Lord. And I, I realized what God was telling me was, don't be passive when you pray. Call down the authority of God and own the part that you play in it. And pray that. And pray that for everybody in the room. And so, when I prayed, I said, God, this is what we've asked for. We know You can do this. Whatever our part needs to be to build our communities, You tell us we'll do it. You send us, we'll go. We're going to be a part of this and partner with You. I don't ask if it's Your will, God. I know it's Your will for healing. I know it's Your will for world peace. I know. And it's our part to make it known around us. And I finished the prayer. And people came up to me afterwards and said, I've never heard a prayer like that before. I almost cried. Because when we passively pray, God passively watches. Lord, if it's Your will, send Your Holy Spirit. That is not what His will is to ask you if it's His will. It's Your will to say to God, God, send Your Spirit on us. We need it. Please, we're not going to stop until You do it. That's authority. This is what John the Baptist was saying. Prepare the way of the Lord. He's not going, it's a good idea if you maybe, you know, start coming to God and, you know, He's going to come and you're going to be kind of scared. And He's not talking wimpy. He's not talking like a passive man. He's not going, you know, it's a good idea if you pray more. It's a good idea if you tithe. It's a, it's a good idea, you know, it's important that you stop your sin and That isn't what he's saying. He's saying repent. Turn from it. Confess those sins that you've been doing out loud. Do it. Act on the conviction of the Holy Spirit that He's presenting to you. He doesn't go, you know, Jesus is coming, you better pray up. He says His winnowing fan is in His hand and He's going to thrash out the chaff. You don't want to be the chaff. So do something about that chaff that you are. And the people come up to John and said this, what shall we do? And he said, bear the fruit of repentance. 
which is confession of sin, and go to second mile. If someone calls you to for their shirt, give your coat too. Soldiers, if you're compelled by a soldier to carry a backpack a mile as was the law, carry it too. Taxpayers, do not collect more than what is your obligation. All these things, he's telling them what to do. Because when it comes to preparing for the way of the Lord, this is not the Lord coming in. This is people preparing themselves for God to come in. John didn't play around with God in righteousness or holiness. He saw it as black and white. You're either loving God and serving God, or you're not. You're either confessing your sin and getting rid of it and repenting of the behavior, or you're not. When they baptized, the last verse that was up there, verse 6 said, they came baptizing and confessing their sin, not confessing they were sinners. They said what they were doing. And that's embarrassing. But it's humbling before God. Be resolved or don't be resolved. But to be resolved, you have to have a vision and a plan of action and to know what you've been doing that stopped you. And confess it. And write that action clearly stated. I've heard it said like this. Do or do not. There is no try. And if you know who said that, you'll know he's green from Star Wars named Yoda. But he's telling the truth. You're either a part of the kingdom of God or you are not. There's no part way. You have to take action. The first action after God gives you the vision and calls you to repentance is to confess. I was um, thinking about baptism and how he's doing this baptism of repentance, right? I want to tell you something about baptism it's passive. Think about it. Here's what we say. When I was baptized, the baptism wasn't what you did, it was done to you. The work has to be the preparation for that, of confessing your sin, so that you're ready for the baptism to actually do something. Because you want that relationship with God, you're willing to do something to get it. If you're willing to be like Jonathan says, a runner... You have to identify yourself as a runner. I tried that, but I didn't act on it. I said, I'm a runner, and I never ran. But if you really believe you belong to the kingdom of God, you act like it. You live it out, and you work hard to find ways to repent, confess, and move forward deeper in. And when you pray, you don't go, God, if it's your will, you'll forgive me. He's already forgiven you. God, if you love me, He already does love you. God, let me move in your love, not let you. God, I am going to move in your love. Empower me to do your work. That's authority. And John says, you've got some work to do to make the kingdom of God present in you. That's preparation. Whether it be for running, walking, doesn't matter. All those things are in place that you have to do the work. And moving from idea to action and implementation means you humbly accept the part you haven't played yet in it. Would you pray with me?
Heavenly Father, help us to take responsibility and be accountable for our part in our brokenness and our unwillingness to change because it's too hard or whatever reason we give. But rather, help us to take authority over our brokenness and our weakness and our shortcomings and say, God, today I confess that I have used those as excuses. I confess and I blame myself and others, but I no longer do that. I take responsibility for the choices in my life. And I confess to you, Lord, that I haven't been willing to do that. Help me today to prepare in me the way for you right now. Amen.